Welcome to Securing America with me, Frank Gaffney, uh, the program that's a kind of owner's manual for protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to God's glory and that of his kingdom. We're delighted to have with us one of our regulars to kick things off for the week. His name is Bill Walton. He is, among other things, a former master of the universe on Wall Street, uh, where he ran a company called Allied Capital Corporation. He has moved on to become the star of The Bill Walton Show, a terrific television podcast I had the privilege of being on last week. And we're going to talk, for starters, a little bit about that program. Uh, Not so much my participation in it, but the uh, featured guest really was Rosemary Gibson. Uh, Bill, you have done a lot with Rosemary over the years. Talk a little bit about her work and why this program was particularly timely. Well, Frank, thanks for coming on my show last week. We, as you know, talked with Rosemary about her book called China RX, which is about America's dependency upon China for most of our critical drugs, uh, not, only, and it, it, not only generic, but some of the critical pharmaceuticals that we count on, uh, diabetes, heart uh, drugs, that sort of thing. And we... And the components, yeah, well, they make, China particularly is, is critical to the subcomponents that are uh, uh, included in drugs, the so-called rare earth manual, minerals, among other things. And, and China is also involved with India. India does a lot of the final packaging, but nevertheless, it's, it's driven by China. And China's had an explicit strategy for the last 30 years, 20 years, to uh, uh, be a dominant provider of uh, pharmaceuticals around the world. And They've cut deals with most of the major pharmaceutical companies, including Pfizer and and uh, Merck. You know, Pfizer and Merck have both shut down research and development facilities here in the United States, and put them in uh, in China. I think Merck's yeah, most recent what, one. What could a- possibly go wrong? And Bill, this is really the point. It, it's it's not just the supply chain issue of whether or not you know those supplies of vital medicines are going to be available when we need them. We saw a little bit of that early on in the COVID uh, crisis. But it's also the possibility, and Rosemary spoke powerfully about this, that some of these drugs, at least, might be contaminated in ways that make them not only not helpful, but actually harmful to the people taking them. Well, talk the, about that. The, the alarming news you and I got, you and I were on the show, did a, did a show two years ago with Rosemary about her book. And really, uh, not much has gotten better and a lot of some things have gotten much worse. At the time, we talked about the Food and Drug Administration and how difficult it was for them to bring their inspectors into China. The Chinese were harassing them every step of the way to prevent them from inspecting uh, the Chinese uh, drug manufacturing facilities. And, you know, they're, they're thousands of them scattered around the country. And so what's happened since then is the Chinese are now arguing that they should get the same reciprocity and in, 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 uh, uh, inspection, federal inspection, as the Europeans are getting, which means we would rely on the Chinese drug inspectors to tell us what, uh, what it, how, how quality, what, what's the quality of what they're making. Well, once again, once again, research. And then here, here's their bright idea. Well, if you don't want, you can't have the physical inspectors here, but we'll give you Zoom inspections. And so they're going to go in with with cameras and, and surveil the, the the Chinese are going to go in with cameras, Chinese show you what they want you to see. Employee yeah. of the Chinese Bill. Communist Party inspecting our drugs with their uh, with their iPhone. 
Yeah. Uh, let me just say, this is a prime example of the terrific work you're doing with this Bill Walton show. And I really am so delighted to be able to feature it. Uh, I'd like to take time to talk to you about another one, which is really important, featuring our friend, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. But that's for another day, because I want to turn to some developments at the Fed. You are the guy that we rely on to keep track of what's going on there. And there are two pieces of this that I thought were really important to note. One, of course, the Fed has begun raising interest rates at last, but also uh, uh, nominee President Biden had put forward to be the vice chairman um, has withdrawn. Give us the backstory on both of those, if you would. Let's take the second one first. The very good news is that Sarah Bloom Raskin, who was the nominee to become head of the Fed, vice chairman of the Fed's regulatory uh, activities, uh, that nomination was withdrawn. She withdrew it because Joe Manchin, West Virginia, who's becoming a hero, uh, uh, refused to support her. And one of the reasons he maybe the principal reason he refused to support her is that she's the at the tip end of the sphere of weaponization of finance. And she is a climate change radical that just knows no limits to what we ought to do to shut down fossil fuels. And she's written extensively and, and spoken extensively about how banks should no longer finance fossil fuel companies, all of them, not just the big ones, but the little ones. And, and using using lack of access to capital to shut down fossil fuels. So getting at their climate change agenda through the banking system, uh, in addition to all the other things they're trying to do on the regulatory front. So not having Sarah Raskin Bloom on that job is terrific. Now, it's a short-term big win for us. Uh, Longer term, let's see who else he tees up. Uh, his record of teeing up uh, people that we like is... Uh, I think he, he's zero out of 450 so far. <laughs> but but even the chairman of the uh, outfit, uh, Jay Powell, has been uh, signaling his enthusiasm for this so-called ESG, Environment, Social Justice, Governance agenda, has he not? And uh, almost certainly we're going to see others uh, being trotted out who will have a similar kind of uh, uh, view. And, and I guess the point is, this isn't happening in isolation, Bill, as you've talked about with me from time to time for months now. Uh, Larry Fink of BlackRock, the 800-ton gorilla on Wall Street, has been pushing companies that BlackRock, with its trillion dollars under management, $10 trillion under management, excuse me, um, has been using its, uh, its influence, its leverage to compel companies uh, across the street to do the same. Is that right? And is this going to change anytime soon, do you think? Uh, Larry's getting some, one of the things that we've done is we've done a little Saul Alinsky on Larry and we've made the issue personal with him. He does not like the spotlight. Even uh, Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger, came out saying we don't want to be uh, subjects to, to, to Larry Fink's uh, rule. Uh, but even having said that, his, his, his positions are, are really unchanged in the type of companies and agendas that uh, he wants to promote with his shareholder votes. You know, he and State Street and Vanguard control about 25, 30 percent of the voting shares in New York Stock Exchange. So they're big players. Let's not get even though Larry's feeling a little heat, let's not get too cocky because all the other CEOs of the big financial firms, including Brian Moynihan and Bank of America and, and, and Jamie Dimon, not so much, but most of them have joined the ESG uh, bandwagon. And, and, and look out for what happens with Bank of America. I expect they're going to try to follow Sarah Bloom's Raskin 
agenda and start cutting off Bank of America finance to fossil fuel industry um, and the way they've done it with other industries like uh, you know like the gun gun shops which they cut off capital yeah. to so a serious problem uh, for not just you know the uh, fossil fuel industry which is vital of course to our energy security posture in this country but also to our society. Bill, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. I, I just I just need you to hold that thought, if you would, because I want to I want to come back on the other side of a very short break to talk with you about this business, about weaponizing finance. Um, we should be doing some of that, it seems to me, with respect to the Chinese Communist Party, our mortal enemy. But instead, Larry Fink and others like him, as you say, have been pushing our money, our capital um, in the uh, stock market and uh, investment portfolios of pension funds and the like into communist China, propping them up. We're going to talk about some other developments in this sort of economic warfare space with Bill Walton of The Bill Walton Show, the proprietor of one of the most important podcasts, television podcasts, certainly in the country as I see it. And I'm very pleased to have been uh, uh, the guest on that program. Home and home, as they say, Bill. It's good to have you here in return. Um, we'll be right back with more with Bill Walton on specifically what economic warfare might mean for you. Straight ahead. <laughs> 